0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course listen to The Quiz at thequiz.fox.
0: I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. This past weekend, I had the honor of attending the Reagan Defense Forum at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California. I sat down with the National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. He's been on the job just a few months, and he is for this interview back in his home state of California. There is a lot to cover. Here is part of what we discussed as we went around the world on the issues. Thank you, Mr. Right. See you. Good to See you. Terrific. Have a seat there. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for your kind invitation to bring me back again this year. It's wonderful to be back here among a lot of people who have uh, become friends over the years. So thank you for that invitation. The good news is we've got 15 minutes. The bad news is, as a reporter, we've only got 15 minutes. So welcome home to California. Thank you, Bill. Uh, the ambassador just spent uh, time at, in London at the NATO summit, which brings us to our first question. What was Justin Trudeau talking about? <laughs> You don't have to answer that.
1: No, I'll answer Look, I I, I think uh, we we had an excellent bilateral meeting with with, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau earlier in the day. Canada is a great friend of the United States. We've got to pass USMCA. It's great for Canada. It's great for the United States. It's great for Mexico. We need to work on... uh, uh, 5G in Canada. There, there, there are a lot of great things that are going to happen between the United States and Canada. I think uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was very embarrassed. I was at that so reception. No of hard of feelings then, right? There's no hard feelings. He, he apologized to the President. Uh, the President uh, accepted his apology. I, I, I think Prime Minister Trudeau was, was probably embarrassed. He didn't know there was a hot mic and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, 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 I feel bad for him. That's the
0: way gets, you're wearing a microphone uh, too, by the way. There so. we go. Uh, there, there's been a lot of news in the last 24 hours and I, I want to start with those and why don't we hops after that, we'll hopscotch around the world. We'll hit a, a lot of topics you deal with every day. Iran made a big decision in the last 24 hours. You have a lot of experience with hostage taking and deals making when it comes to bringing Americans back home. Why do you think they went for this deal now?
1: Uh, I think there are two things. There's somebody that they wanted that was here, and so that was fortunate for us. Uh, and I, I also think that the maximum pressure campaign is having a real effect on the Iranians. The Iranian economy is in very, very serious trouble. They're not able to fund their terrorist allies like Hezbollah and Hamas and, uh, uh, and the Houthis the way they did. Uh, Hezbollah has come out and said the golden age is, is over. Uh, the Iranian economy is, is contracting. They're selling less than 500,000 barrels of, of oil a day, down from 2.5 million barrels a day. Uh, they're, they're having some trouble. So I think that uh, they, they may have viewed this as, a, as an opportunity yeah. to, uh, uh, to, to potentially have some negotiations with the United Based States. Based on the
0: negotiation at the State Department, is there a sentence you can give us as to how a successful hostage return works? What's the key element there?
1: Look, look, every one of these situations is different, depending on the country that holds the hostages, the type of leverage that we have. But ultimately, it's the force of will of the President and of the United States uh, that, that we're willing to apply our will to the, the, the parties holding the hostages and do it in a way that does not involve paying concessions uh, to the hostages. So uh, in, in the, the 38 or 39 wrongful detainees and hostages that President Trump has brought home uh, during the first three years of the administration, uh, not one dime has been paid in concessions no ransoms have been paid. We've also had to rely on our allies. In one case, uh, there was a high price paid for hostages, but it was in the, the blood of two French uh, commandos who were killed, uh, rescuing two French hostages and American hostage, and South Korean hostages. So there is a price to pay, hmm. uh, but we have not paid it. We're, we're not paying dollars and cents, and we, we, we don't think those sorts of concessions are good for the country. We also think it leads to further hostage-taking.
0: Last point here on the news in the past 24 hours. It appears that North Korea... Um, just in the last few minutes, has confirmed some sort of test that took place at a satellite launching center uh, in the western part of the country. Do you know of this? I I know of it now. Um, uh, (laughs) If if confirmed and if true, it took place on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And they seem to pick these dates. July 4th was one of the dates uh, that's been used in the past. Christmas is coming up. Is there a level of concern within the administration that Chairman Kim would try and test yet again an ICBM? Look, there's always a concern with North Korea. We monitor it very closely. Uh, North Korea has been a
1: concern to, uh, to presidents since uh, North Korea invaded South Korea. So it's, it's something that we monitor very closely. When President Trump came into office, President Obama told him that the single largest challenge he would face in office is North Korea. Uh, we were moving. We're on a path towards war with North Korea. I think President Trump engaged in some really phenomenal personal diplomacy uh, to ratchet the pressure back and and, uh, and reduce the tensions with North Korea. We obtained a commitment from Kim Jong-un to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. He has not lived up to that commitment. We are pressing him very hard to to live up to the commitment. The president's had two additional summits with him since he made the commitment. You know, so we'll have to see what happens. But we're, we're working very hard diplomatically to keep the tensions low, but also uh, convince Kim Jong-un yeah. to, to, to honor the promise that he made and the commitment Just, he made. Uh,
0: another question on this, too, and I, this is hypothetical here, but if, if you denuke the peninsula and if you remove the twenty-five to 30,000 U.S. forces there in a second term, would President Trump take that deal?
1: All right, look, when you, when you talk about a deal with North Korea, there, there are going to be a lot of aspects to the deal. So you pointed out a, a few potential uh, pieces of the deal. But, but we do want to reduce nuclear tensions in the region. And if we can get North Korea to uh, truly denuclearize in a, in a way that is, is verifiable, uh, that, that would be a huge win. And we'd, we'd certainly look at how to get a deal like that.
0: Let's go past the um, last 24 hours and let's jump around the world a little bit now. We can do this in a lightning round or however you prefer. I know these folks are hungry and they're probably thirsty too. You've got a lawyer standing between you and dinner. That's, <laughs> that, that's not a good situation. I'll do my best, counselor. <laughs> China. They steal our technology, the forced transfer. It's a real issue. Um, You're dealing with high stakes here. This has worked very well for Beijing for a long time. Why would they choose to bend now?
1: Well, they'll choose to bend because President Trump was the first president in in 40 years to stand up to the Chinese. And he put tariffs on them. Uh, A lot of people were opposed to the tariffs. It turned out the tariffs worked beautifully. The Chinese were devastated by the tariffs. Their economy has not grown at the rates they expected. The supply chain is moving to other countries. I was in Bangkok for the East Asia Summit and the ASEAN Summit. Uh, the supply chain is moving to Vietnam. It's moving to Thailand. So the Chinese uh, want a deal. And we think we're very close to a phase one trade deal. It's a trade deal that would protect American intellectual property, protect our technology, uh, that would give relief uh, to the farmers and open the markets to farmers. Uh, it would open the markets in China to American financial corporations. If we can get that deal it would be a, a, as a phase one of a trade deal, it would be a fantastic deal. I think that we're going to get there. But if we don't, uh, the, the tariffs that have been announced will go into effect and we'll, uh, we'll deal with the Chinese in a different way.
0: Russia, w- what do you think the truth is about our election in 2016? Look,
1: I, I, the Russians are a malign influence. The Russians have always attempted to interfere uh, with the United States to, to run propaganda campaigns against the United States. There's no doubt that the Russians, and, and I, I think this is... Uh, is something that's a consensus the Russians attempted to influence the the U.S. election. I don't think the Russians having a bunch of trolls running around on Twitter actually had any effect on the U.S. election. I don't think they had any effect at the counting of the ballot stage. And I I, I think the American people kind of made up their mind Mm. that they wanted to elect President Trump. So uh, did the Russians attempt to influence the election? Yes. Did they have any success doing it? I don't think so.
0: Conversely, what do you think the level of involvement was on behalf of
1: Ukraine? Yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I see the same reports that everybody else is reading. Some people say that there was a, an attempt by the Ukrainians to, to elect Hillary Clinton because they thought she would be better for Ukraine. Uh, other people say it's, that that's not the case. Uh, we'll just have to wait until we, we hear the, the report of the inspector general, until we get the, uh, the prosecutor's report and, and anything else that the Department of Justice is looking Do at. Do
0: you buy into the crowd strike theory?
1: You know, I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't have, Here, here's the thing. We spent uh, a whole number of days, and I, I, unfortunately, I was too busy to watch much of the uh, uh, the impeachment uh, testimony. But all I saw when I watched it was speculation, double and triple hearsay, and policy differences. So, you know, what I'm not going to do is speculate, talk about policy differences with the past administration. Uh, or or engage in in hearsay because I heard somebody on TV say something that they heard somebody else say. What I can tell you is what I did see personally. And that was in 2014 when I went to Ukraine as an election observer for the parliamentary elections. And I had young Ukrainians coming to me saying, we're going to the front lines. Can we please have lethal aid? Can we please have uh, flak jackets, Kevlar? Why is America, the arsenal of democracy, not helping us? Uh, in fact, kids who were going to the front line, who were volunteering, would crowdsource, not crowdstrike, would crowdsource a, a, a bulletproof vest. They'd raise enough money from their friends. Uh, one of the kids would drive up to Poland and would buy Kevlar, and they'd bring, a, bring the Kevlar down, and, and at the going-away party for the soldier, they'd be given a Kevlar vest. So that changed when President Trump took office. And the Ukrainians did receive lethal aid, and they're now able to, uh, to put up stronger resistance against the Russians. So that, I, that, that's what I saw with respect to Ukraine. I saw
0: no aid going to Ukraine or no meaningful aid going to Ukraine until the president took office. Three more topics. ISIS. You were in the Situation Room when Baghdadi was killed. I am told that he was being tracked with great accuracy for a period of five to seven months. Why then choose to take him out on that date in late October. So I, I don't want to get
1: into to operational details and uh, I, I can tell you that the, 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 the men and women, the, the quiet professionals that work for, for other government agencies and in, in, in our uh, government did a, a unbelievable job. And when, when the, uh, the the director uh, said that this was the time to move and that they had a fix on them, the president uh, made the decision to move and uh, we brought in uh, Special Forces to uh, launch that assault at great distance, behind enemy lines, uh, under very difficult circumstances because of, uh, of Turkish, Russian, Syrian, uh, anti-aircraft uh, assets that were on the ground, and going into a, a very, very hostile area. And the, those, those men went in and, and did
0: an incredible job. Quick following that, October 26th is the date that he was taken out. Did you, were you concerned that Baghdadi's forces would link up with the remnants of al-Qaeda in that part of Syria, yes or no?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we were necessarily concerned about that. But what happened on the ground is we saw he was in an area that was considered more of an al-Qaeda area or an al-Nusra area than an ISIS area. And, and we did see that some of those forces attempted to come to his aid during the attack. Uh, and, and that did not end well for the folks that tried to rally for him. Two
0: days ago, you were on Special Report with Brett. And uh, you said the president has, quote, great instincts. Give our audience an example of how you see that or how you've witnessed that yourself. So, number one, the, the,
1: the, the president looks at every question that comes to him, whether the national security or foreign policy perspective, is... What's the best thing for the United States of America, and, and that's the lodestar. Now he may make decisions that uh, that help an ally. He may make decisions that uh, where where the United States is going to have to carry a heavier burden than are uh, those who who are helping. But his first question is, what's the best thing for the United States of America? And I think that's why the American people instinctively understand that the president is on their side is because he's looking out for them. The other thing is he's incredibly concerned about our men and women in uniform. Uh, one of the things he talks about with reverence but also with, with real disappointment uh, is how hard it is on the families when he goes up to Dover. And I've, I've spent time with him at Dover uh, to receive our fallen heroes uh, who are brought back with great dignity and, and our, the, the Air Force folks up there do, doing a, a tremendous job. But it's a, it is a, it's a difficult experience to meet with the families and then receive our fallen heroes home. That's had a, a real impact on the president. So he, he thinks long and hard before committing American troops or putting them in harm's way, uh, because he knows he, you know, he he's seen firsthand, uh, you know, the 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 price that we have to pay for for, for the work. How do you keep up course. with him? Hey, it's it's pretty tough. Yeah, uh, he, he, he's twenty years older and has twice the energy I've got. So good <laughs> luck, uh, Tiger
0: Strength. It, it, it really um, la- impressive. La- last point here. You said you were ten in 1976. That's correct. Um, I, my math had you at eleven, but corrected. I'm old it, enough. It, Don't it, give me that. I get it. In 1975, when Governor Reagan, I think it's an appropriate question to end our discussion on here, he left the governor's office in Sacramento. Can you give us an anecdote or a, a point in your life where you noticed that he made a difference to you either as an American or perhaps politically or shaped your your worldview? Well, look, I, I was
1: fortunate enough as a young person to come back and, and intern in Washington. That's how I got to know Governor Wilson and... and uh, was able to see Ronald Reagan up close, uh, uh, not as close as I see the President now. It was usually on a rope line as he was walking out to the helicopter. And, and unlike the President today who will go and engage the press, the line President Reagan, as you remember, used to, uh, you know, cup his ear and, and yell at Sam Donaldson, I can't hear you, Sam, and, uh, and so I, uh, I saw a lot of that. But I'll, I'll tell you what, what, what really had an impact on me was, I remember in, in 79 and 80, you know, I was in, in high school, watching the hostage crisis, and my dad had been a Marine Corps officer, and the hostage crisis just infuriated uh, my dad. Uh, He couldn't believe that we weren't taking stronger action against the Iranians and that they had the the temerity to hold 52 American diplomats hostage that entire time. And and one of the things that we would hear from my dad, his friends, my parents, uh, was that uh, wait until Ronald Reagan's elected this will end very quickly. And as we all know, uh, during the inauguration, uh, as uh, the president was being sworn in, the Iranians got religion very quickly, released the hostages, and they were brought home. I also thought it was incredibly classy that uh, President Reagan had President Carter greet the hostages uh, when they came home. He knew how how important that was to to President Carter. But that had a huge effect on me. And and look, it was was President Reagan's character, his integrity, uh, his steadfastness, uh, that that I think sent a message to the uh, the leaders in Iran that uh, this was somebody not to be trifled with, and that this sort of behavior would not uh, you know, would not stand under a Reagan administration. And they they released the hostages. That that's peace through strength. Now we didn't have our military forces built up to the the place that we needed them to be, and, and President Reagan eventually accomplished that. But he was there. There's no doubt in my mind that had the Iranians not acceded uh, to his demand that the hostages be released, that uh, they would have been punished. Uh, and it would have been tough on him.
0: Thank you so much for your service. Thanks, Bill. And thank you for your time, Mr. Hey, Ambassador. Great being here. You bet. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank you. Thank well you. done. Thank, thank you. you sir.